0: Believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh, is of God. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof you have heard that it should come. And even now, already it is. In the world, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We'll stop there and just uh, discuss a few of these verses. Um, Now... We know in Ephesians uh, that we are told that we as believers battle not with flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers and the rulers of darkness in high places. Uh, and what we see here in First John is a refinement of that whole idea that we are fighting against uh, not uh, simply worldly advocates but we are fighting a spiritual fight it is a spiritual warfare and there in Ephesians we are advised uh, and I should say uh, commanded to put on the whole armor of God Uh, and that would be uh, the helmet of salvation which I think uh, protects our thinking in regard to uh, what has been wrought in Jesus Christ by the cross for each of us we are we are commanded there to um, put on the breastplate of righteousness in our lives and so that our hearts and, and where we uh, where we have that seat of our devotion, Jesus Christ needs to be protected. Um, there is also the, the uh, having our loins girded about with the truth whereby we will not be deceived. And having our feet shod with the preparation. Of the gospel of peace, whereby we recognize that we do not exist in a in a vacuum, uh, but that we uh, are a special uh, illumination in the world, and that we, by the way we conduct our lives, and by the words that come from our mouths, that we make others to see that we are not of this world. Now, we there with the, the uh, armor of God. There are two additional pieces of armor. One is the shield of faith. And that shield is where we deflect the fiery accusations of the enemy. And there are many accusations being fired at us and from every quarter, but we have by faith a way to thwart everyone. And finally, the only offensive weapon that we have in our arsenal of, being soldiers in the army of God is that we, each one of us must have uh, the ability to use the sword of the spirit. And therefore, uh, the spirit, which uh, works all of God's goodness in our life, is an offensive weapon that we use against the spirit of darkness now so we know that we are in a spiritual battle there is that that we are so familiar with there is the material world around us uh, that we are so familiar with. We recognize the things God made, the things that uh, have atomic structure, molecular structure, and uh, we can perceive them with our eyes, we can touch them with our hands. Uh, And that's really very important uh, because this particular passage uh is going to talk to us about the fact that jesus christ had a material body but there are many and and i think varied dimensions that are existent that we cannot easily see in there is a material world and there is a spiritual world the spiritual things are not perceived through the eyes of flesh but they are perceived through the discernment of god himself which means for each of us then it is the Holy Spirit that is given to us, which is our, uh, defense, uh, and of course our weapon against the unsane forces. And in my opinion, it is the unsane forces that are, are the more subtle that, uh, work great injury within the lives of believers and John and others in the scripture would have us to be aware that they exist. There are angels, some uh, who are uh, of God. There are angels who are fallen. And, uh, I mean, if you want to read about those, they're all over the Old Testament, and there's some in the New. Uh, we find that uh, these, these angels uh, either are working for God or they're working for Satan. And if they're working for Satan, their, word, their, their plan is to deceive you. And Satan's main uh, means whereby he destroys the efficacy of the church Mm -hmm. is through deception. And so in this passage that we are studying, uh, we find the first words. Is that we should test or try the spirits. Now, particularly recently, I have come to believe that in the life of any human being, there is only two means by which. They will uh, uh, they will reveal themselves in this world. I want to refer you to what Christ said to the religious Jews, for he said to them, "You are of your father, the devil, and so we should conclude that everybody who is not baptized into Christ by the Holy Ghost, that whether they want to believe it or not, well, they won't believe it. They think that they are the captains of their own destiny. They do not know that you are servants, according to Romans six, of whom you obey. And even Peter, and so what I am going to now address carnality in the life of one who was born again, from one moment to the next, we found Peter, according to the very words of Christ, who became illuminated by the Holy Spirit of God, because he said, when asked, when Jesus asked, who do do you say that I am? He said, thou art the Christ. That is, thou art the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Christ said to him, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Peter didn't come up with that on his own. But it was the Holy Spirit, according to Christ, that revealed. So in that moment, Peter was fully being uh, dependent upon the Holy Spirit to reveal to him and allow him to confess who Christ was. It wasn't five minutes later that Peter, after hearing Christ say that he had to die, that Peter changed and made a 180-degree turn in, his, in the way that he was going to behave. And he began to rebuke Christ, saying that it is far from him that he should ever die. And do you remember what Christ said to him? Get behind me, Satan. All right, what am I saying here? Number one, I am saying that everyone who is not of Christ has a spirit that is influencing their lives, deceiving them, and causing them to resist the will of God and that includes the whole world that includes all the religious people in the world who aren't led by the Holy Spirit of God then there is the Christian or I'll say the believer and the believer has the Holy Spirit of God living in him. And as we say, and the scripture says that the believer is in Christ and Christ is in the believer. But how many instances do we have in the scripture that indicate to us that even the believer who truly is born again, who has undergone the baptism uh, into Christ by the Holy Ghost, that that individual is at any moment in time going to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And so Ephesians says, be not drunk with wine, but be, be ye filled with the Holy Spirit. And the idea there is be you controlled by the Holy Spirit. Don't be controlled by something else. And uh, so if I look at uh, the beginning of uh, 1 Corinthians, what do I find? I find Paul saying to saved people in the church at Corinth, I find him saying that Uh, I cannot talk to you as if you were spiritual, even though he had already made it clear that he considered them to be born again children of God. And so, but he said, I can't talk to you like that because you are carnal. That means that and, and the truth is for each one of us, after we have become Christ and Christ is ours, we still have to grow into that place where that place of surrender, that place uh, of death, whereby uh, as Paul says, for you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. And so what do we find? We find that the one who knows Christ, who yet is not depending upon him, who is walking without uh, being subject to the Holy Ghost, they are living their lives just as the carnal mind dictates. They are bound by the lusts of the flesh. They are absolutely in their carnal state, subject unto the deceptions of uh, the devil. And these people uh, will appear to walk just like men. And that's what Paul says. He says, are you not carnal because you walk as men? And so we have to understand that if we are walking, and you can turn to Romans 8 and read all about this, if we are walking according to the flesh, that is, we are not being obedient nor immersed in the Holy Spirit, then we are subject unto the deceptive work of the evil spirits, which is referred to here in First John chapter four, as the spirit of Antichrist. And so the whole world who is without Christ is subject unto the spirit of Antichrist. Every carnal Christian in their carnal state is subject to the spirit of Antichrist. It is only those believers who have become adept and practiced in uh, walking by the Holy Ghost, uh, have grown into the fullness of the stature of the person of Christ, only those people are going to be led by the Spirit. And so, whoever you are, in whatever state you are in, lost, carnal, are sanctified and growing up in Christ, you will become servants of whom you obey. And so John now is warning us that there is a spirit working in the world that was working even in John's time that is referred to as the spirit of Antichrist. Now John uh, makes good reference, a valid reference to the spirit of Antichrist. We have seen the spirit of Antichrist throughout scripture. Deceive many and cause many uh, to fall into uh, the depths of sin and despair. But we, when we see the word Antichrist, most of us think that the Antichrist is a man who is going to be the world leader in the tribulation period. And I'm here to tell you now that not one time does the Apostle John mention the Antichrist in uh, the book of Revelation. Now, does that mean there isn't a man that certainly deserves the term Antichrist? And I think the answer is yes, there is but he's never referred to that way. And so when you see the word Antichrist, you ought to understand it from from the standpoint of the prophet here, that is John, that the Antichrist is a spirit. There is a spirit of Antichrist. And he is very much at work. And it will be him who will absolutely possess the man of sin, uh that man that is often referred to in the book of revelation as the beast and we know and that there comes a time uh at the end of tribulation that the beast and the false prophet will be cast into the lake of fire and we'd say well that's the antichrist okay but that is uh going to be a man who is who is absolutely uh, incarnate, all that despair of Antichrist is. But Antichrist is a spirit. Uh, and he is a spirit who comes, and it, he is not simply just against Christ. Because the word anti means that he is uh, coming in the place of, That he is going to take uh, authority wrongfully that only belongs to God. That he is going to uh, do what he does to mimic uh, the true Messiah. And even the word Antichrist could be uh, called anti-Messiah. Because uh, the word Christ means Messiah. And so, um, it is the spirit of Antichrist that is working in those who are not led by the Holy Spirit of God. Well, if you find that alarming, I tell you, I do also. Because I find in Romans 8, for example, that the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. And it becomes very clear, not only in Romans 8, but in other places that you are either serving uh, the spirit of God or you are serving the spirit of Antichrist. There is no middle ground. There is no simply human behavior there is either those who are led by God through the Holy Spirit or those who are led and being influenced by Satan and his minions that carry out his work all over the world. And uh, no doubt there are millions of, of spirits that, we are battling against now what does john want people to do christians he says test these spirits all right Uh, because there's many and notice he says in the same verse try the spirits whether they are of god because many false prophets and so now what do we find that there is a direct correlation between false prophets—that means false teachers, not just people who are who are uh, foreseen and giving us information about future events—but the false prophets are teaching damnable heresy. That is damnable doctrine of demons, damnable doctrines of demons. My friends, there is one true gospel in the earth, just one. It is very clearly explained to us in this book that we refer to as the scripture. God has promised by his Holy Spirit to take this word and through it to lead us into all truth. And so the truth can be known. But what do men who are under the influence of the spirit of Antichrist do with the word of God? what they do is they distort it, they proof text it, they add to it, and they take away from it. And there are many heresies that the spirit of Antichrist have fostered in the church from the very beginning when The first apostles were walking the earth, and when Paul was out there teaching Gentiles, the spirit of Antichrist was working even from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And now, we who are living in the last portion of the last days should understand that the Antichrist is as active as he has ever been. And what is he doing? He is working through men who will be lifted up in their deception because they are deceived and deceiving others, and in some cases, they are outright uh, liars, knowing Uh, that what they teach is not the truth now if you don't believe that I I can only give you my testimony of one pastor who told me he knew he wasn't teaching the truth but that he was teaching that which would uh, be easy for the people to understand but it wasn't the truth and he was he was saying that uh Eventually, they they needed the truth, but that he couldn't build a church. He couldn't build a big church by teaching the truth, and so he had to teach those things that were untrue or that were uh, simple deceptions that were easy for men to understand, and then he could build a big church. And so we have to decide, my friends, do we want to build a big organization or do we want to teach the truth? Because the primary motivation of the majority of preachers that that are existing in the world today who call themselves teachers of the word, they are, so much caught up in the idea of their own fame and fortune that they will, in many cases knowingly, teach that which is not true, that they might tickle the ears of those who want to hear what they have to say. If, if you want the word on that, go to 2 Timothy. And you read it and find out that in the last days, our church is going to heap unto itself teachers, those people who hear having itching ears, and those are the teachers they will heap to themselves, tell me what I want to hear. And there is a doctrine that is mentioned here in 1 John chapter four, verse two, which is uh, I have told you about many times. It is one of the tenets of Gnosticism, a heresy that was pri- was a primary heresy going uh, flooding through the church. In the, in the first days when the apostles were out there teaching, Satan was alive and well through his spiritual emissaries to teach something that destroyed the whole gospel. And what they taught, one of the tenets of what we call Gnosticism, now the word Gnosticism comes from the Greek word gnosis, and it simply means knowledge. And these Gnostics, you know, like Simon Mangus and, and other ones, they uh, they twisted the truth and they came to the conclusion through hidden knowledge, which was doctrines of demons, they came to the conclusion that Jesus Christ did not have a real flesh and blood body. and. This was a major heresy in that day, and here we find it in verse 2 of chapter 4, where he says, Hereby know you the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Now you find Gnosticism still alive and well in the world today. But there, there is a long list of other heresies that are so damaging. One of them would be called modalism. And there are many preachers in the world today who teach that God is one God who presents himself. He isn't three in one. He simply presents himself as uh, in different modes. So when he wants to present himself as the father, he takes on that appearance. When he wants to present himself as the son, he takes on that appearance. When he wants to present himself as the Holy Ghost, he takes on that uh, personality, if you would. But it's all one God. And that destroys the doctrine of the Trinity. It destroys uh, the truth that, that God the Son, became man and dwelt among men. The fact that Jesus Christ had a body is very important. The fact that there is a triune God is very important. Uh, Another major heresy that is is steeped in the church today, this, for example, is taught by our, our friend in Atlanta who has the you know, the preacher father and the gigantic church uh, is Marcionism. Marcionism teaches that the God of the Old Testament is not the same as the God of the New and that the God of the Old Testament was a wrathful, vengeful God, but the God of the New Testament is a loving and a kind God. And so therefore, the Old Testament is pretty much just forgotten about. Uh, because that does not teach the God of love. Uh, That is a absolutely damnable heresy. And one of the biggest churches in the United States has its leader teaching that kind of damnable doctrine. And so... What I'm trying to say then is that we as responsible Christians need to approach everyone. If we're listening to them on YouTube or whatever, we need to know enough that when it is, when there is something they are saying that does not is not borne out by the holy scripture and this is not a matter of differences in personalities or styles of preaching Uh, this has to do with with the speaking of those things that are not true and we need to know and if one comes into our church I can tell you as one, and everybody else ought to do this, I'm going to ask enough questions until I come to know that this individual is not a heretical teacher. Uh, Because if they are, they have no place in this little body. And when I meet somebody on the street, or when you meet somebody in the workplace, and you have opportunity to have casual conversations, Uh, not on, uh, you know, your employer's dime, but on your own dime, uh, you should uh, seek out uh, what are the primary tenets of what they believe. And I'm afraid you're going to find that in so many cases, uh, the first thing you're going to find is absolute ignorance the next thing you're going to find is deception the third thing you're going to find is false teaching and those can be related Mm -hmm. so there are times Alice and I have been involved when there were certain individuals that the Lord led us to who were under the direct influence of the outbursts of spiritual entities that in whatever way had taken charge of their lives. And so if you would ask one of them, uh, is Jesus Christ your Lord? I remember Alice and I were talking about it last night. I commanded. I wasn't alone. One of my elders was there. Alice was there. And I I said, I, I command you spirit in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you confess that he is your Lord? And here's what he said. He said he is Lord. I said, yes, but is he your Lord? He is Lord. Yes, but do you confess him as your Lord. He is Lord. You see, he would never go, he would never take the Lord Jesus Christ as his. But he would do anything to get around the question. And that is the way these spirits deceive. I have come, and I don't care who they are, I have come to listen very carefully to even those ministers of the gospel that I have become familiar with. When I read those that I have studied for years, I am always on the lookout for something that they might say that falls under the uh, heading of heresy. And false teachers and the spirit of Antichrist as one goal, it is to destroy the testimony of Jesus Christ in the world and to bring men through deception and through untruth to bring us into bondage and therefore thwarting the work of God and conforming us to the image of Jesus Christ. I will tell you that in dealing uh, with the spirit of Antichrist in whatever form uh, he presents himself. Uh, We must know that as believers in Christ, we have authority over them, not in ourselves, but through the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Uh, I was amazed in our first encounter that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, was a name that they could not resist in regard to understanding his power and authority. And so John goes on after talking about the Antichrist. He tells us in verse four, I think I've said this, that uh, that you are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. Now I I must tell you again that almost the entire uh, letter of First John is speaking of. The body of Christ in terms of not necessarily what it is uh, as a whole, in other words, is speaking to the church of Jesus Christ as what is the outflow of their lives when they are surrendered to the Spirit of almighty God and if they're not surrendered to it that is dealt with in chapter one and chapter two early on Mm -hmm. but after chapter two about midway through when John begins to talk about those who abide in Christ and that uh, what are the characteristics of believers he is talking about the characteristics of believers that are led by the Holy Ghost. And that is why, unlike Corinthians, or unlike Hebrews, and unlike uh, uh, Romans chapter 8, he is not dealing with carnal Christians in chapters 2 through 4 and most of 5. All right, so what does he say? You've overcome. We who walk by the Spirit of God have already overcome. We are like Joshua, who when he went into that land, God said, this land is already yours. All you have to do is take one step after the other. And wherever you put your foot down in faith, that is the land that will be given to you. And that is the way for us, that one step at a time, we take the blessings of God that are given to us. Um, And we have and always must know that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, now in verse 5, John makes a differentiation between those who are of God and those who are not. And this is what he says they are of the world. Now, talking about, now he is talking about people who are not believers. And they can't just be, they can't, it is not possible that if they are not of Christ, that they are not going to take upon an evil form. Whether you think they're nice people, whether you think that uh, they're they're good people, my friends, uh, ultimately before God, there are no good men. They are, and, and I'm not saying this, Paul said, it. There is none good, no, not one. Now, does that mean some are worse than others? Yes. But nevertheless, if we are outside of the working of Jesus Christ in our lives, then we are of the world. And what is spoken of in Romans 12, 1 and 2 is going to be true of us. Because verse 2 of Romans 12 tells us, be not conformed unto this world. And I say to you, if you are not conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, and you are not on that path to being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, then you are going to be conformed exactly to what is opposite of being conformed to Jesus Christ. There is, and I say this, I I just know in the scripture, I find no middle ground. There is no neutrality in regard to the things that are good and the things that are evil. There is no you're okay and I'm okay. There is those who are, are being led by the Spirit of God and those who are not being led by the spirit of god for in that passage in ephesians paul says that if you're led by the spirit of god the things of 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 uh, the flesh you cannot do and it says if you are being controlled by the flesh the things of the spirit you cannot do And so let us not think that we're just kind of okay. Let us not think that since we aren't as bad as the really bad people in the world, that we obviously uh, have some gray area in our life that God can recognize that there's some goodness. And I tell you, there is no goodness except in God. God is good, and what is ever outside of God is not good. And that is why it is incumbent and needful for each of us to walk by the Spirit of God, whereby we de- do good, and we love, and we worship, and we have the proper heart towards Him. We, we bring Him glory. We we receive the blessings of life, which is peace and joy and meekness and humility and all of that is the goodness of God, the love of God shed abroad in our hearts. Mm -hmm. And so Paul says if they're outside of that in verse 5, they are of the world. Mm -hmm. And if they are of the world when they communicate when they speak you will know that they they are speaking about what they know and the only thing they know is what's in the world and eventually as we grow up in Christ the only things that we want to talk about are the things that are associated with the the goodness of God through Jesus Christ. I've had some of you come to me and say, you you met a person who claims to be a believer. And I say, well, what did you find out? Mm -hmm. Well, first off, I found out that he didn't know anything about salvation they didn't know anything about the primary central truths of Christianity more than that as we talked I came to see that they had no idea what I was trying to talk to them about they could not grasp now what does this verse say therefore speak they of the world you want to talk to them about the world yeah everybody's interested in that i find it difficult sometimes to talk to christians because i know that what they really want to talk about of the things in the world. Verse six, talking now about believers. We are of God. He that knoweth God hears us. I, I can't tell you how many people have come into this little fellowship and left. Well, maybe we didn't meet their idea. We weren't, we didn't have a big cathedral. We didn't have a doctrinal, or pardon me, a doctor of theology doing the teaching. Or they heard something that threatened them. You know, it's really threatening to the person in the world when you tell them. Before you can experience the life of Jesus Christ, you must die. Before you can love as God's love, you must die. Before you can do anything that pleases God, you must die. And that becomes or makes one who teaches that message. Even though the scripture is absolutely filled with this, you become an enemy. Why? Because you're talking to somebody who is of the world. They don't want to die. They enjoy the world. They have They haven't squeezed out of this world everything they want. Even when that is an absolutely irrational idea because they are gonna live for a slice of eternity that can't even be measured regarding how small their lifetime is gonna be. And they're gonna squeeze this world in that little slice of eternity until they get everything they want. And then they are gonna be absolutely in eternity without anything other than their own loneliness and their own condemnation. And that will be without end. And all of that is the insanity of loving the world. And so that that marvelous missionary who gave his life in Ecuador said, he is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep so that he might gain that which he can never lose. True words. Rejecting Jesus Christ and going after everything the world can provide, all the recreation, all of the good times, and all that it has to offer, will, it is guaranteed And these are finite beings that are doing it, knowing that they are going to cease to be in this world, that their bodies are going to decay, that they are never going to be resurrected, that they are going to be absolutely in loneliness forever, in death. It is irrational to follow. the world but we are of god and he that knows god hears us and he that is not of god does not hear do you see that those of you who have witnessed to others and i've witnessed to hundreds and hundreds over my lifetime and I can tell immediately if they're going to receive it or they're going to reject it. And they don't hear us. Hereby, for those who won't, will not hear your testimony of Jesus Christ, they don't want it. They don't want to hear about it. They don't want any attacks on their own self-righteousness. They don't want to hear anything about repenting. They don't want to hear anything about being in Christ on that cross. They, They can't understand being raised with Christ. None of it. They cannot hear it. And therefore, we know by their responses that they are not of the truth. Mm -hmm. There is truth. There is the spirit of error. Mm -hmm. So John now launches in to that marvelous passage that goes on and on Mm -hmm. regarding Marks, again, what are the defining marks of those who are Christ? And that's going to start with verse 7, which says, Beloved, let us, now this is a command, okay? Let us love one another. Why? Her love is of God, and every one that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. Now, that's pretty straightforward. And in similar way, verse eight is straightforward. For in verse seven, we have the positive. The positive is one that loveth is born of God. What's the negative? He that loveth not knoweth not God. For God is love. Now, I'm going to take that up next time. I know we've talked about this already. The Holy Spirit is the author of this book the Holy Spirit thought it wise and good to pound away in the book of 1 John at that crowning characteristic of God himself and that crowning characteristic that comes to them who know God. And that is the demonstration of the love of God. And John is going to put put it to us in every form so that none of us can find a way out from that piece of truth. It is so important that it is the mark of the one who truly has received Christ, been baptized into Christ, and have Christ placed in them. Mm-hmm. That will take up next time. Thank you for listening today. God bless each one of you. May I just exhort you and anybody who will ever hear my words, I exhort you that in regard to these truths, if they are too much, if they, if they cause you to shrink away and think about something else. Mm -hmm. Understand that you are not dealing with a man who is at this moment simply teaching the word of God. It does not matter what you think of this man, but you are dealing with God's He is not a man. He is a consuming fire. And he is to be given absolute respect. And so when God speaks Mm -hmm. and he says something that you are prompted to make a decision about in your life and you Bury it. God sees, and who wants to fall into the hands of an angry God? God bless you all. May this never be. Father, we thank you for that piece of scripture that Chuck Missler calls our bar of soap. First John nine, we confess our sins, which basically says if we agree with God regarding our sins, that he is faithful. This is something God must do because He is faithful to do what He said. That He is faithful to forgive us of all unrighteousness and to cleanse us. That's our bar soul. He forgives all of our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Dear Lord may each of us be bold and absolutely steadfast if we see something, Lord, something buried deep down in us and we don't want to bring it out. We don't want anybody to know we even ourselves will not face it. Dear God, may we by the power of the Holy Spirit by the love of Christ, stand up and face it. And so you then can deal with it and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We bless your holy name. Until we meet again, until Christ comes to take us home, we love you with our whole heart. Or we pray in Jesus' name. Okay. Amen.